Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus and dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical, actually every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. Welcome to episode 27. Our special guest is Darren Lee. Hi, Darren Lee, and welcome to Broadway's Backbone. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Oh, so I'm going to start off by uh, reading some of your Broadway credits. Okay. So Shogun, Miss Saigon, Guys and Dolls, Victor Victoria, Chicago the Movie, On the Town, Kiss Me Kate, Susicle, Millie, Pacific Overtures, and most recently, Allegiance. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't miss anything? I don't think so. I also I also did Chicago on Broadway. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah I Broadway. did for a while, yeah. Oh, excellent. I was a vacation swing. Oh, nice. So where are you from and how did you get started? I'm from um, Orange County in Southern California. And I got started in the entertainment uh, business, or at least uh, dancing. I think I always wanted to be a dancer. I think even, you know, when in kindergarten when you fill out that little me book, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I actually have a crayon drawing of like a little stick figure with a bow tie that, and it says dancer by it. Kind of, it's kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. Do you um, still have it? I think my mom has it somewhere, yeah. of course. Um, uh, when I was like uh, eight or nine, I, I remember that I came home from school and I told my mom that I was going to be in the talent show. And she said, oh, that's great, Darren. What's your talent? <laughs> and I told her, I said, I want to dance. I'm going to dance. And so I, um, it was sort of in the middle of the disco era, and so I picked a disco song and I told the teacher just to fade it out when I was done. And I went up there and I just improvised. And um, from, from that talent show, um, there were a, 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 uh, a couple of girls uh, who were doing a ballet duet. And their parents came up to my parents and said, oh, you know, he's pretty good, where, where does he study? And my parents, you know, were like, oh, he doesn't study. He's just up there goofing off <laughs> right now. And they said, oh, well, you should come to my dance school. And so uh, the next year, I ended up going to that dance school, which was uh, a walking distance from my house. Nice. Yeah. And I, and I, I went there. And um, after about six months or so, um, my, I, I took more to jazz than anything else, like jazz dancing at the time. And um, uh, my teacher, uh, Terry Marriott, um, she was so great, and she sent a tape into Star Search, and so it was at the time it was Junior Star Search it was the first Junior Star Search they ever had, and she sent the tape in, and we were picked up, and so I did a duet uh, with um, God, her name was Heather, I don't remember her last name, um, to Freakazoid, and that's that's how it all started. From then I got an agent, um, you know, and I was going out on auditions and things like that. Well, I actually remember you from Star Search. I, <laughs> I, I watched you on Star Search. Uh, and I actually remember you because I'm from Southern California. That's as right. Well. That's right. Um, and I remember we competed against each other. I remember that as well. In uh, Master Dance. Master Dance of Southern California. And uh, you won. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came in second place. But yeah, you did a tap, tap solo. I did do a tap solo. And I, I think I did something to. Um, Beat It or something like that. Michael Jackson's Beat It. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, it was totally great to set. Do you remember that we had to, um, 
Because it was basically mirrored after the, the girls' competition. Right. Remember that we had to like model? Remember we had to like wear we had to wear I remember this. We had to oh, wear I don't. we had to wear like evening clothes or whatever and like like walk and kind of turn and Oh I kinda see? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. And then it was interesting because I went to performing arts school in high school and my high school went on a fancy tour all the way to Fountain Valley. <laughs> uh, and it was the first time I got an injury, so I couldn't go. Oh god! And so, but my high school went, and they came back from tour. They're like, "There's this guy, Brad Darren Lee. He's better than you." <laughs> so high school, and I was like, oh, "I was like, I know exactly who he is." That's freaking hysterical. It's so funny, the small world. Uh, I love it. Yeah, no, I love that from Star Search. And then you went on to Kids Incorporated. Yeah, then I did like a commercial TV stuff, and then I, I was on the second and third seasons of Kids Incorporated. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Like Fergie was on when I was on. Oh really? Yeah, she was nine or something, and, and oh, I was wow. like twelve. That is great. No, I remember that as well because I auditioned for Kids Incorporated. You did? Uh, and I didn't get it. <laughs> but I remember the moment I didn't get it because I worked with Doreen or Darlene, the choreographer. Uh, Doreen. Doreen. Yeah. And at the final callback, she was like, "Okay, I need to see everyone's ballet technique. Go across the floor. Uh, Brad, lead them off in balance days." I had no idea what a balance oh, was. Oh no! I didn't take, I hadn't taken ballet yet up to there. It was just all raw talent at that point. So I was, I did, obviously didn't get it. But I remember watching. That would have been fun to work together then. That it was. Been awesome. It was. But I remember just you, even at an early age, you were so talented in in San Diego. So from there, did you move to New York City, or did you stay in LA for a while? I, I stayed in LA um, through um, junior high school and high school. Um, my senior year in high school, I actually. Um, was um, emancipated, and I took my e GED. I did end up um, finishing high school, but I took my GED, and I was emancipated because I was um, I was uh, chosen as a dancer for the Academy Awards the year that Paula Abdul choreographed um, Under the Sea. Oh, I I remember her choreographing them and being amazing. Yeah, she choreographed once, one year, and so I was picked for that. I was uh, seventeen at the time, and and so to be able to basically because my mom was sick of driving me in and out of LA all the time. You know, it was basically, I was going to be able to, to just drive myself. I didn't have to have a tutor or anything like that. And so I did it. It took like a couple months. And then I was back to finishing high school, just like a normal, normal senior. That's great. There was a lot of great dance opportunities back in, in those days. There really were. Because they, you know, they had all those dance industrials and stuff like that yes. as well. And so people would go and get full wardrobes and like do a A6 or a Reebok or something like that. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, those were awesome. And music videos were really, really big. And now they don't seem that whole scene doesn't seems, seem that It seems much. like it's much yeah, more difficult and, and there's a lot of little niche groups, so it's much harder. Were you always aiming for New York City and Broadway or was it you? I, I wasn't necessarily. Um, I discovered musical theater in high school, which was kind of fun and exciting and you know, to explore that. And um, there were two shows, actually three shows that, that came through and auditioned in the Los Angeles area that I don't, I don't know, either I saw it in backstage or I heard about it somehow. One of them was a show called Miss Saigon and that I actually sang and auditioned for um, in a Vietnamese restaurant in Garden Grove. Yeah, it wasn't even at like a studio. It was really? like they, yeah, they were so <laughs> searching, the, you know, the forest, the woodwork for these people to, to try to find the, this first cast. And so I auditioned for that. I auditioned for a production of Cats that was going through, which I just wasn't good enough for. And um, you weren't good enough for Cats. I wasn't at the time. I, I wasn't. Uh, I just wasn't good enough. And then, um, and then Shogun, Shogun the musical based on James Clavell's novel, and there was a miniseries, starring uh, Richard Chamberlain, I yes. believe. Um, 
had a show and I was cast in that my senior year in high school as well. And so uh, uh, graduating, I knew that I was going to be moving to New York that summer and uh, starting rehearsal for Shogun. That is amazing. So at 18 years old, you made your Broadway debut. I was, uh, yeah, I was turned, I turned 18. Wow. And so was that your first, did you get your equity card and everything? I did. I got my equity card all in one big swoop. Yeah. So it was, I was really, really, really lucky right. to do it that way. Because like Kids Incorporated and the Oscars, was that SAG after or just SAG back then? Gosh, um, must be after back then. Right. Because it was TV, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So by 18, you had all your cards. That's pretty By 18, I had all my cards, yeah. Because you know, that's a member big deal, but I mean, if you got it for Shogun, was it a big I had deal no then? idea how, I had no idea how big of a deal it was. I didn't know how difficult it was until, you know, subsequently I've, I've worked with people and I heard their journey of how, you know, they get their card or if they did like, you know, internships and that kind of thing. It was just, I was just very fortunate to sort of jump in onto Broadway, you know, right out of high school. Well, you were fortunate, but you're also very talented. I mean, I can I was, say that you don't have to do your own Thank you, you but really I, are. I was also very lucky. And so, yeah. you know, and, and I know that, um, I think I, I realize that much more now than I did that, you know. I mean, remember when we were that, like how fearless we were? It was like, we just thought we could do anything. Yeah. I remember showing up, I remember thinking when I was gonna move to New York City and what am I gonna do? And like, how am I gonna find the dance studios? And like, who's, how am I gonna know anybody? And that kind of thing. And I showed up here not knowing anyone and eventually it just happened. And like. I just would go to dance class and I would go to open calls and like, like it, was just, it was just fearless. Oh, you know, some stuff that I wish I had more of now. Oh, I wish like... I had that now all the time. You know, because it's uh, as you get older, the, the fear comes in. Yeah, what if shifts, I don't do it? Shifts well? differently. Yeah. But, but I think you know this is great for you also because you know our our interest shifts and and we create our own projects. I think, and that's something I think that we don't necessarily do when we're younger. Oh no, because we we're very tunnel vision and driven. And we're just like, yeah, somebody love me. Somebody please, yeah, yeah, let me do this and pay me for it, which would be even better. Which absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So Shogun didn't hit some of the uh, potential that they thought. Oh no, Shogun. Um, it opened out of town. We opened in Washington D.C. We um, they spent a lot of money on it. I think it was probably the biggest flop at the time. Um, it was in the very early nineties, like nineteen ninety. And so it was right on the heels of really big scenic shows like Les Miserables had a barricade and Phantom had um, a chandelier, um, you know. And so we had we had this giant ship and we had all sorts of automation. I remember like running on a treadmill and dressed as a ninja and like all sorts of sword fights and tons of gorgeous costumes. And um, it, it uh, and I was young at the time, so I didn't really know. And I remember asking um, one of the uh, other ensemble people at the time, I asked her, you know, she was talking about, you know, what shows were good and what shows weren't good. And I said, is our show good? <laughs> and she just looked at me and she nodded her head no. She's like, no. And, and you know, she didn't want to hurt me or break my heart, but she was, yeah. like, she was like, no, we, you know, we're sinking. And, and um, we maybe ran two months mm. or three months. Yeah, it wasn't very long at all. So it was tough. But, and it was a little sobering, too, because it was sort of like, um, you know, you, you, just, you think that, it, 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 like I said, you're fearless and anything is possible, and then all of a sudden, you know, this, this, this show is gone. Right. Um, very, very luckily, um, myself and I would think maybe four or five other cast members from Shogun, because there weren't a terrible amount of um, Asian American performers at the time. Um, we all started rehearsal for Miss Saigon, the original company, Broadway company of Saigon, about two, 
or three weeks after Shogun closed. So we, I think, I think I remember we were, I was doing Shogun and the director called all of us into a room and said that I just heard from the casting director that you will be offered, you know, the show, Nesaigon. Uh, and he said, and he basically said, you know, I'd like to know from you now if you intend on taking it. Because I think he wanted to assess whether or not we were going to be replaceable and still keep the show open. Right. Or if it meant the fact that we were going to leave would cause the show to close. I don't think any of us answered in the room at the time, but but um, I think we all intended to take Miss Saigon because, of course, it was really hyped at the time. And, yeah, absolutely. And show, yeah. Well, I remember it was huge. I mean, it was. I I bought the album. I still have the wow. album. I mean, an was, album. It was one of those Cameron Macintosh super hits. Yeah. And, um, we were, we, and, and also it was um, topical. We were um, we were picketed at the time because of the casting of Jonathan Price oh, yes. as the engineer. Yeah, we're bringing him over from London and. It was sort of setting that precedent for if there was a star that uh, in an iconic role or something, you know, that, 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 that equity will allow them to come and play that role. Absolutely. And, and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So that was the beginning of that. Well, how was that experience for you, though? Because it was a mega hit to go from... It was, it was thrilling. It was very exciting. Um, I was so glad to be working again. Um, <laughs> that... um, the... Uh, uh, it was... Um, it was just thrilling, yeah. I mean, uh, I was uh, I was the center dragon acrobat in one of the members, so that was really fun. I remember how neat it was because because Shogun also Shogun didn't run long enough to record an album or even have I don't even think we had a souvenir program or anything like that. And so oh. so all of those things I got to do when you know when I was in Miss Saigon, and so that was a really exciting and thrilling experience. Those are great perks, yeah. And the Tony Awards, totally. And, and you, you know when you get to like look at the pictures outside the theater and see. You know that one of them is you, and show your parents and that kind of thing. It's oh. it's just this, it's really neat thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So how long did you stay with that show? I stayed with Saigon for about a year, I think, um, and then I was uh, cast in the national tour of uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so uh, and that was uh, choreographed by Christopher Chadman. It was a really really fantastic company. Um, really interestingly. Some of the ensemble gentlemen in that company were Christopher Gatelli, um, Andy Blankenbuehler, um, Sergio Trujillo. Yeah, all Tony Award winners. Oh now. wow! Yeah, isn't that amazing? Um, yeah, so th they were among the dancers that were in that group. Well, I just hearing about that production and hearing about Chris Chatman's choreography, people rave about that. It was it was incredible. It was so exciting. I remember going to see the show. Um, uh, and uh, I remember seeing Joanne, Joanne Hunter in it, because I had known Joanne from oh, both yes. Saigon and Shogun, and just thinking like, that it was so incredible. And so when they had the open calls, I was just thrilled to go, you know, and I was really thankful to be cast in the show. It was just, just fantastic work, and it was a privilege to work with him as well as that group of dancers. And I really feel like, though, you know, as, as you can see, they all have Tony Awards now. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it, it, he really um, assembled a group of really passionate um, creative artists that are still sort of leading the industry today, which is very exciting. Absolutely. Did you like touring? I did. It was also my first national tour. And so I had a great time. Um, and this is back when they were production contracts. There was a production contract. You know, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, I, I wish it was the same way for younger performers these days because you get, as you know, you get to see the country, you get it paid for by somebody, you have a great time, and at the end of it, you, you still are probably banking your whole per diem check. Yeah. It's like, it's like unbelievable. It's like, you can come back with so much money saved, and 
I just don't feel like there's an equivalent of that anymore. Oh, there's not. There there's really like, isn't. There's like three possibly ones. That yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, it was, yeah, it was great. And I think you get like a trunk. It was like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> did you come back and do it in New York City? I did, yes. I, I was actually, I was, I, um, I had come back, I flew myself back, or, or maybe I was flown back to audition for the original company of Beauty and the Beast. Okay. And I was offered, um, I think it was a salt shaker or a pepper shaker in that company. And I put my notice in on the national tour of Guys and Dolls. And I got a call from Chris Chadman, the choreographer of Guys and Dolls, saying, you know, why are you leaving the show? And I told him that, you know, I, well, I, I got this new show. And, and, and he said, well, do you, is it that you want to do that new show or is it that you want to come back to New York? And I said, well, uh, a kind of both. And he said, well, if I offered you your same track that you're doing now, which was the um, spe uh, Crap Shooter specialty that was originated by Scott Weiss, um, who, who um, fortunately subsequently I've been able to work with in Allegiance, yes. like a good 25 years later, which was amazing. Um, he said, if, you, if, I, um, you know, if, if I offer you that role, will you, will you turn down Beauty and the Beast? And I, and I didn't take a second to answer because I knew I was absolutely interested in doing that. And I said, yes, I, I will absolutely come back and do Guys and Dolls on Broadway. And, uh, and that's what happened. I, uh, yeah, so, he, so whoever was doing the track at the time was, was, was leaving or had given their notice, and he brought me back off the tour. And it, it really, it established me, it was very fortunate, it, it established me as a featured dancer in New York City in a way that, and at an age that I um, was very, very thankful and fortunate to be seen that way. Right. Um, you know, so I went, I went sort of away as a general ensemble member and I came back, you know, in a specialty role. And um, that, I feel like that was a big shift in my career as far as how people saw me subsequently um, for other shows. And also, um, what was exciting about it as well was that um, I was cast non-traditionally. And that was really exciting. I even remember, it's like one of, the, one of my career highlights was not necessarily something that I did on stage. It was, I saw a video interview with Christopher Chadman from a, like a Japanese television company came to interview him. And they came to interview him and they were showing, on the clip they were showing some footage of me tumbling and then they cut back to him and she asked, asked him something in Japanese and he says, um, well, you know, in New York there are all sorts of people. There are Asians, there are Hispanics, you know, there are Americans, there are Italians. And so she, he said, I didn't cast him because he was Asian. And she said, he said, I cast him because he was the best dancer. And like, it's something that he, he never told me specifically. I mean, his work ethic was different. Like he was very hard on us. He would never praise us too much. Does that right. make sense? But like to be able to hear that, him say that so casually in our interview was just like, it, oh. meant, it meant the world to me. Oh, it mind really, blowing. It really did. And I think that's a, such a brave choice because you think on paper, original cast, original, all that kind of stuff, Beauty and the Beast, Granted, you're a salt shaker. That yep. to know that you, I mean, at that moment, a lot of people probably would have gone for the original cast. Sure, yep. you made the right choice. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just remember at the time it was not a hard decision for me. That's great. Like, and and um, and I so respected this man that like he was on the phone with me and like I didn't even say, oh, you know, let me think about it. I just knew. I knew that that was. That would, absolutely, that's a great option, and I would love to do that, and it brings me back to New York City, which is something, you know, when you're on tour and you're young, you, you think, oh, i got to get myself back to New York City so I can be oh, seen. Because you're missing so many things. That's what you're <laughs> 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 yeah, you're missing sitting on the couch mostly. 
uh, absolutely. <laughs> so how long did you stay with that show? Um, I don't know, maybe a couple years or maybe like a year and a half or so. But it was great. I saw, you know, there's such great performers came through that and it was it was really a really fantastic learning experience because Guys and Dolls is also a traditional show. And so you have a dance chorus, you have a singing chorus, and you have your principals. And so I was really able to see that, learn from that, sort of analyze the way that that structure of a musical, you know, was built at that time. Right. And, and be able to appreciate it in that form. You know, little, little did I know that, you know, just around the corner, budgets were being cut and like, you know, people were saying that Broadway's dying and, and that kind of thing. And so the next thing you have to do is be able to do everything. You know everything equally well like you have to sing you can't just be a dancer anymore and so like that I remember that adjustment being both both exciting and thrilling but like a difficult one you know it was a, it was a time in which I think a lot of people got sort of squeezed out of both ends of, of, of Broadway absolutely yeah so you are primarily a dancer and a featured Broadway dancer how is your singing my singing is good yeah my singing is good um, I uh, you know I uh, was very fortunate I think um, I think uh, Pacific Overtures, uh, I did Pacific Overtures on Broadway, I don't know if it was my 10th Broadway show, something like that. Um, but, <laughs> but what was great about that was that that show wasn't about dancing. You know, the show was a Sondheim show, it was about singing. Um, you know, some, some, of, some of my other career highlights are the, the, the moments when you get on a cast album and you get a song, yes. or you get a trio. Or a duet, and so I've been able to have all of those, and so that's been you know a really thrilling experience. So that's amazing because you're not. I mean, you're not just a dancer. No, not not anymore. But uh, you know, definitely would have said so in the beginning. Absolutely, it was some, I was terrified of singing, and oh. so and so knowing that I was able to work on that while working, you know, and uh, was just the best thing ever. It was fantastic. Well, speaking of great singers, you got to work with Julie Andrews and Victor yes, Victoria. I did. I remember actually watching you. In Victor Victoria, in the ensemble. I mean, I just was like, wow. And it's just, I have a tendency to find ensemble members and watch them throughout the whole show. Oftentimes I have to go back and see the show again because they're like, what do you think? I was like, I was I watching so and so. I do the same thing. And in that show, I remember distinctly watching you. How was that whole experience in that show? That was thrilling and fantastic. You know, it was so, it was so exciting to be able to be part of Julie Andrews' uh, return to Broadway. It was just, I mean, what was, I think what was really great about it was, was mostly working with Julie. Like, she, she is just as wonderful and talented and delightful and, and sort of um, caring as you would want her to be. You know, from seeing her films and things like that. At the same time, she's also really sort of brash. And she's abroad. At really? Times. Yeah. But she is absolutely delightful. And she, she never, there was never a separation between her and the, the rest of the company. She was always extremely accessible. You know, she'd, she'd be so happy to meet your parents or anybody that she brought backstage. She was just, just wonderful that way. Yeah. She was a great, great person to work with. Wow. Yeah. Did you stay through, through Liza? I, I stayed through Liza's opening night. And then I was lucky enough to have a pro another project in Japan for a little bit. <laughs> and then I came back um, when Raquel Welch was in it for a little bit, I think. And uh, but then I didn't close it. I was uh, onto something else by then. Yeah, I saw it with Liza, and um, I was I, I love Liza. So I and sure. without saying anything bad, I was sad I saw it with Liza. Sure. I mean, in some in some ways, you know, some people thought it was sad with Julie, just because you know you. you 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 want her to return to Broadway in her prime and the way that you remembered her and that kind of thing. And even though it was a wonderful show, I think that it was something that 
was like if it had followed directly after the film or very shortly after the film, I think it would have been a different different story, you know, but it was different. It was many years later, um, you know, sh she had changed, her voice had changed, and I think, you know, even the Tony Awards reflected it very much, like the only, the only Tony Award uh, or nomination was for, for Julie, which she um, uh, egregiously yes. tried to, to turn down, and so it, um, it, uh, it, was, it was unfortunate, I think, that um, it wasn't at her prime. But, you know, it was still an honor to be there, and I was glad, and the company was fantastic. Oh, I just remember the dancing being great, which was, was that your first time working with Rob Marshall? That was my second time working with Rob Marshall. I had worked with him off-Broadway um, doing a very small show at the public theater called The Petrified Prince. Um, the, that he, uh, I, I had auditioned for Rob Marshall for Damn Yankee. And I didn't get it. And I remember at the final callback, he told me, he said, I'm not going to hire you for this show because I want you for this other show. And I remember saying at the time to him, and I didn't really know him as well, I said, well, I hope that when that show comes that I get it. And he said, don't worry. He said, don't worry, you will. And that show, I think in his mind, was Victor Victoria, which happened, I think, the following season. And in the interim, he found a, a small ensemble part for me in this off-Broadway show that he was doing at the public. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it was really it was really great, really a man of his word, and, and so talented. Because I actually remember you in the Chicago movie, which I didn't until I saw your credits. I forgot, and then I was like, of course I remember you in that, <laughs> in that, in that film. And that was, I mean, that film was exciting. While you were rehearsing it and everything like that, did you know, you're like, oh, is this a good movie musical? Is this a good idea? I think, um, you know, it, it, it was definitely at the time when it was very, people were very skeptical as to whether or not a movie musical could be, could be successful to, and, and accessible to an audience today. Um, and I remember reading the script and I remember feeling like that, that they had found a way in. They had found this, this, this device in which they were gonna close up on Roxy's eyes. And when they close up on Roxy's eyes, and go into her mind, you're able to then show the device that you can tell things in a musical form. And it got around that misconception that people have, that people just start to sing and dance senselessly for no reason. And I really think that that, that was the key to uh, all the success of that particular show. Um, another thing that was really fascinating about the show, granted, I mean, it was just it was just so great to be part of that with a lot of um, wonderful dancers and creative people. But Rob surrounded himself by by people that he knew and that he knew would deliver for him in every department. So I think light, like the lighting designers, were from the theater, and you know, and so he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Also, what was extremely unique, uh, I think, of every any kind of musical film, was that we rehearsed it like a play. And so we sat down, we had a table read, we rehearsed every number in order. And so basically we could have done like a run through of the whole film before we started shooting. Oh, so before there was great. a single frame of film shot, we had rehearsed all the numbers. And then basically what they did is like, they flew us all back home. And as they needed us, we would fly in, we would brush up on the number and we would film it. And I think that, I think, First of all, that was a huge luxury financially, I think, for a company to allow Rob to do it that way. But he was the director, so that's right. fantastic. Yeah. And um, I think it was so smart and so brilliant of him to do that because that's what he knew how to do. He knew how to get a company together, make them cohesive, 
put all the pieces together, see where he needed more or less, and then, then put it together. And that's what he was able to do even though it was in film. So it, even though we didn't film it in sequence, we rehearsed the whole thing, and so he was able to see what he knew the final product was gonna be. And so, yeah, I remember seeing the, show, the, the, the film and just being delighted that, that um, and it was so exciting to see, you know, what oh, everybody was doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then for it to win Best Picture, it's crazy. It was just crazy. Just crazy. And then, did you do it on Broadway before or after? I did it on Broadway before, I think. Yeah. And so you were a vacation swing. Like that's a difficult job. I did. I came in. I came into the show. I guess relatively early. Um, and I, because I remember BB was still there. You know, there were a lot of original company oh, wow. members still there. And so it was. It was a little tough. I think somebody got injured, and so I. I was. I think I was being cast in the national tour, and so I. I, I came in to fill this slot or something like that. And I just remember that it was, you know, another time that it was like this was when I did Guys and Dolls, but it was, it was basically like a room full of diva dancers, like amazing dancers, just all looking down their noses at you, like wondering how you're gonna deliver. Oh, absolutely. And I it, took, it took me a while and, you know, and there were definitely some snickers and I remember like trying to do this really awkward lift with Marianne Lamb and, and it just, it, went, it was a total fail and just like people cracking up at me. And uh, and not in a good way, but but uh, but over you know but over time you know you, you you gain the respect and you become part of the company and you know but prior to that you're just you know you're the latest thing that is amusing them and not in their Broadway show. Oh, well, there's nothing <laughs> like going into a, an existing company. It's crazy. Yeah, it's I mean, absolutely crazy. And I don't think they realize how judgy they're being. They're just no, they're just having a good old time. Yeah, yeah, they're just looking for something to get them through the show and amuse them, and they yeah, yeah. they totally don't realize that they're like yeah. Destroying a young artist. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what thing that's interesting about a lot of Broadway companies is they're not as like a family like tours are. They come in, do their job, and go home. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, it, absolutely, they don't, they don't, they don't um, have that opportunity to like you know decompress at Dave and Buster's or somewhere or Cheesecake Factory or wherever it is and get to know you. It's like so you don't. Also, you don't know. And so you have this like one moment in which somebody looked at you or they laughed at you or they said something and then you don't see them anymore. Yep. And so it is, it is, it is, it is pretty weird. Yeah. They're, they're not there to be your friends. They're there to work with you, period. Yeah. And I was like, that was bizarre to me. I was like, what do you mean? No, yeah. that, the help cast doesn't go out every single night. No. Like, no, we, we go have, <laughs> like, we go home, we go home and take we care of kids. kids. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that is just crazy. So on the town, when you did it at the, in the park, uh-huh. it, I remember it being such a huge, huge hit. Right. And it was so exciting. And then that, when it transferred to Broadway, it, what happened? Why wasn't, I mean. Well, what? I did not actually do the show in the park. Oh, you didn't? No, I only did the Broadway production. Oh, okay. So the, the, the park production had um, a different choreographer, I believe. And also, I think that the set was designed for the Delacorte, which is outside, and it was this it was this giant rendition of the George Washington Bridge, and so it basically seemed like the bridge just continued off into the skies, mm. you know. And and so when you took that and you put that into proscenium sort of letterbox look, it just didn't have the same effect in many ways. And I think they did they did some recasting. Obviously, they did they cast me, which is different. And um, uh, but they. They had a different choreographer as well. Oh, and um, th- it was just there was just a lot of trouble with it. I think they, they couldn't find the right exact tone to tell that story, 
And as you know, also, that show has some huge and very lengthy ballets. Yes, it does. And so, unless you really know what you're doing from a dance perspective, and you, and your director really trusts that that is the way to tell the story, I think you're going to have conflict. And I just don't necessarily think that that was ever um, in line. I don't think that the director and choreographer really agreed on exactly what they were going to do to be able to, to have that show be the success it was going to be, which I think is why that, you know the choreographer was in place. And then actually, even while we were rehearsing, the, the choreographer was, was um, replaced again. Yeah. And so we, you know, we, we had been through the ringer. Yeah. What, in your career, you've had a lot of success, but you've also had a lot of uh, things like Shogun or like On the Town. Sure. How does that affect your ego and your self-esteem? Because that's rough. It is rough. Um, and it's really difficult not to take it personally, as you know. Like, and it's hard too. Like when you're in a show, I was, I was part of um, Susical. And so what, what, is, what is difficult is, for example, you know, Susical was this very successful um, a reading that was done, I think, in, in Canada or something with, and it was in, in the era of Garth. Mm. And so it was gonna be this big, you know, whimsical, fantastic thing that they were gonna throw all this money at. And I think that what happened was that the, the Garth sort of company sort of fizzled away and um, th they changed the way that they were gonna produce it. And so they didn't have rights to the drawings, which is very interesting because that's so much of what you remember yeah. as when you're talking about. The music I think was wonderful and really buoyant, um, but it just ended up being uh, misguided and it was really poorly reviewed, you know? And it's, you know, it's that thing, I don't know if you've been in a flop show. Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's that thing is that you go out, you, you go out on stage every night and you feel like the whole weight of everything is on your shoulders to prove to those thousand people that you're not terrible or that this isn't terrible yeah. or that somehow, you know, through your sheer will, you're going to be able to convince them that this is something greater than it is. And that's, that's just a really, it's a really difficult position to be in. Um, but at the same time, you're thankful to have the work. And so it does, it really balances, it makes it challenging for you as an artist to be able to sustain, like, this is, you know, this is part of the job as well. It's not always going to just be, you're going to do exactly what you love and be featured mm -hmm. and it'd be wonderful. You know, many, many times in your career, you're going to be some, doing something that you don't like you know, in line with somebody that you don't think is as talented as you, <laughs> and you have to suck it up, and and um, it's just part of the way the business works. Oh, I absolutely I agree, <laughs> and I think sometimes that's what we deal with more often than not. Sure, is having to deal with that part of it being it, a job. It's very challenging. Yeah, the 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 big hits or the times when everything just lines up and the company's great and the reviews are great and then you win some Tony Awards. It happens so very rarely. And so when you are fortunate enough, first of all, to get your first Broadway show, which is great. But when you're fortunate enough to be in a, in a, a new show that is reviewed well and then sales through the Tony Awards, it is like it is like nothing else. Nothing else. It's like nothing else. But I think when you say not to take things personally, yeah. that's something that I know as a person I'm definitely dealing with. And it never gets easier. And I think what I think when we were younger, we were more resilient. Maybe. Absolutely. Because we would just move on to the next thing or something like and that. And to know, like, it's not personal. It's not personal. Yeah. Or, do you have any tricks to the trade of how you do not, don't do that? You know, um, it, it, I think one of the most challenging things to learn as, as a performer or as an actor is 
is to understand yourself in the most honest way that you possibly can. In that I knew that I was a good dancer. I knew that I couldn't sing. I knew that it was something that I had to work on. I knew that it was so, I didn't just go into auditions and pretend I could sing or get upset, you know, like that, that I couldn't do it. I, I knew that that was holding me back and I knew that that was the thing that I had to work on, mm. you know, to make myself better. Um, it's also really difficult because we are the product, right? It's, it's like you go out and you sell something and, you know, when you're selling Girl Scout cookies or you're selling something like Avon, right, it's different. They may not like it, it doesn't matter. But when they look at you and they say no, or they say, we don't like you, or you're fired, or you're not good enough, that is a really hard thing, right? To be able to turn around, suck it up, figure out, okay, what is it that they saw that they that made them say this? You know, what is it that, that I can take away from this and learn from this to be able to do what I still want to do and not completely give the power away, you know, to this other person who's just seen me in an audition for five minutes. You know, right. Like, how, how can I not let that one moment change everything that I'm working towards? And, um, and that's really, I think, how you have to do it. Yeah. Also, you see other people. You see people work really hard. You see people that, that um, you know, originally that you, that you see don't get called back and don't work, like, just pass up a whole pack. At, at, at times, you know what I mean? Because they just come through and they work and they work and they work and suddenly they're, they're surpassing everyone. And I think that if you, if you work hard and you really want it, I think that, especially in the entertainment industry, there is a place for pretty much everyone. Absolutely. And it is about taking back your own power. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't leave your power in the room with them. You got the minute you leave that audition, you gotta just pretend you didn't get it, get it out of your mind and look forward to the next time. Well, one of the next things for you, which is another feature dancer moment, was um, Kiss Me Kate. Yes. Tom, Dick, and Harry was my favorite number in the show. Oh, excellent. It was, it, I mean, do it, that's another old-fashioned musical yes. that was so so well done. Yes. It was so put together. It was so well cast. Yeah. And so often that isn't the case. What was special about that? Um, same, that was thrilling. It was really special to do Tom, Dick, and Harry. It was really special to be in um, a trio to get a, a little singing solo, um, you know, to be able to do something that in the film Bob Fosse did. Mm -hmm. It was just really thrilling. And at the same time, I was working with Kathleen Marshall, who was, um, you know, Rob's sister, who, yes. who, who had, had uh, been an associate on um, uh, some previous work that he, that he did as well, so I got to know her then. And, and um, it was just so exciting. Same thing. It was, that was one of those shows that it was a revival. Um, it had just a stellar company. Um, the, the company was so fantastic to work with. We sailed through, we won a bunch of Tony Awards. It was just a delightful experience from beginning to end. Which is so great, so great. It, I could not be more thankful. Yeah. And you were also featured in uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Uh, yes, in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Um, I didn't do the, the show out of town. I was cast in the show uh, in the Broadway company. In, in the show, there were two um, Asian principals I wasn't one of the principals, I was in the ensemble, oh, okay. and I covered both of those, both of those gentlemen. A lot of questions about those gentlemen, because when I saw it, they're, it's, they seem very stereotypical. They do, and yes. Um, well, the, in the show, they only sing and speak in Chinese. They don't, they don't speak um, in English, or if they do, it's broken English, and it's only a couple of moments. And so all of their dialogue is projected onto a, a screen 
so that you can understand what they're saying. And so I think that I think that the that those characters can initially be perceived as stereotypical. However, I think ultimately they are the most straightforward characters in the show. Like they never they never sing or act um, buffoonish. Like they, they don't do anything clownish at the expense of their race. Does that make sense? It does. So where where everyone else is, you know, like um, Graydon is is acting, you know, is is, to, is a totally huge comic character, and and Millie is is you know doing these big giant takes, and Mrs. Mears, of course, is, is doing the same thing. And so actually, th those two characters, which seem at first as stereotypical, are actually pretty much like the most sort of steady. Um, characters who only um, whose only purpose is story driven. Oh well that's great because I know sometimes in Anything Goes those characters can be very stereotypical. Absolutely. They, they sure can. Which and I have not I have yet to do them but you know but there are some productions happening now that maybe and I'll maybe. be lucky enough to be casting. And that's what I think <laughs> when we get to uh, Allegiance uh, which was so nice not seeing any Asian stereotypes. No. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so I think so often, I guess, uh, especially if it's uh, if you're the token or you're one or two, they just the writers or the directors make you go, let's go for this stereotype because sure. it, in a, especially American audiences, will think it's funny if they have an accent. Absolutely. And they're, they're trying to make the show accessible, and and that's sort of a crutch in which they believe will will. I mean, you know, it, it Broadway is is clearly not the only um, industry that is. Oh, absolutely. Of that, yeah. you know, that happens in, in film and television all the time. Yeah. yeah. I overheard an interesting conversation. It was a, 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 a several African-American men. I think there's a couple of women, but they were just talking about the state of job opportunities for them in theater and everything like that sure. and how little it is. But then as a punchline, they said, oh, we should just be thankful we're not Asian. It's, it, I mean, I think it's very, very true. Um, you know, I, I have been very fortunate in my career, both, both because I purposely attempted to be cast non-traditionally as well as that I was able to be cast non-traditionally. Right. And so I think that I have been fortunate enough to work um, at times when others have not. And so when you really look at, okay, how many shows have there been for Asian you know, Americans? There's Flower Drum Song, there's King and I, there's Miss Saigon, and that's it. Right. And, and, and that's between every 15 years or so these shows come around again. And, um, and so to be able to be part of a production like Allegiance, which is a brand new show, which um, you know, has a majority of Asian American um, company members, all extremely talented, it was, it was such an honor and a delight to be part of that production, to be, um, to be able to originate a part in that, you know, to have that now hopefully become, you know, it won't be done that much, but it's, it's exciting to be part of something that can now go out there and be an opportunity for someone else to do it. You know, and when, yes, when you think about that comparison of, you know, African-American actors and, yeah, there's, they have a lot more Lion Kings <laughs> and Shuffle Alongs than, than we do, you know, yes. at that, that are still open and are still running. Um, you know, I was, that, I was thinking that, you know, the whole Oscar thing going on about, you know, there's not enough African-American nominees, well, like, not even to mention any other race. Basically just saying there's not enough African-American nominees to, to balance out the white nominees. Well, what about the other, you know, races that don't exist at all? At all. In any form. Not, not nominated, not even a movie for you to be nominated from. <laughs> so that, that's very different. No, it is very different. It is very different. Well, I, I saw Allegiance, I saw it closing weekend, um, 
and I randomly got a free ticket yeah. and then was mesmerized. A lot of it, I was shocked that this was happened in the United States. It's a true story, Absolutely. and that I didn't know about it. Absolutely. Wasn't really taught in the history books. No. So that was exciting. Yeah. But then I bumped into. I was standing on your stage afterwards, and one of the producers came up to me and was like, "So can I ask you?" How come if you liked it so much, you waited until now to see it? And I didn't have an answer. It's so interesting that something that's so good didn't find an audience. Yeah, it, I think, I think the, you know, so much of the success of a show has to do with what, um, what someone's perception of the show is, right? Because you have to decide to buy that ticket before you go. I feel like, like just like in your case, that everyone that saw the show found something that they didn't expect to find and were able to then, you know, appreciate it and tell someone else about it. And I think that's what helped us to run as long as we did. However, prior to that, prior to that person sitting in the audience, experiencing the show, being able to tell someone else what it, what it was, just like you said, people are, are not educated about the subject matter. On top of that, who wants to necessarily see a musical about, you know, all of these Japanese American people who have been put away in a camp, like it's not necessarily the most glamorous part of American history. Right. And so to, to find that the story is told through the experience of a single family, that it's not a story in which it's blaming anyone mm -hmm. for, it's just, it's just using that as a backdrop for this family story. And that's really what the show is. And, and hopefully the show does have a future beyond, you know, oh, it's run so. on Broadway because I think that it's a, it's a very important story to be told, and I think that hopefully, you know, especially in like Hawaii and the West Coast and Japan, in the areas where these people were um, incarcerated, where they were put in these camps, you know, where they fought for the, the 442, I think is a very, very um, important story for them to see. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And I was watching you a lot on the show, and it's fun to watch you as an adult, <laughs> older man. Oh my God. And. It was, is it weird on your ego to see these young kids down in the front having the feature that used to be you? It is, it is occasionally weird, yeah, to, to, to look down there and see that. Um, at the same time, I'm thankful, you know, that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but I do remember, you know, I, I, um, Pacific Overtures was the, the, the last Broadway I show I did prior to Allegiance. And that was a good 11 years ago. And I specifically decided at that time that that was going to be the last show that I auditioned for. Or performed in because I wanted to explore more choreography and directing. And so over the past um, 10 years or so, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been working regionally and I have some shows running on cruise ships and things like that. That's great. But, but then, uh, you know, a, a couple of things changed in my representation and all of a sudden I found myself with a new agent that was um, asking me if I would, would be interested in performing again as well as they could represent me as a, as a creator as well. So now that your journey's taking you more towards being a director choreographer, do you like that path? I, I love it. Um, it was definitely something that I always wanted to uh, explore, especially as a performer. You know, even um, even when I first started uh, dancing, I remember even like uh, in in high school, like you know when when I was on I was on dance team in high school, so that I didn't have to go to PE. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I remember um, you know like. The thing that I liked the most about it was that I got, um, you know, best choreographer award. It was like that kind of thing that was exciting to me, even then. 
wasn't I mean dancing has always been a wonderful passion of mine but but being able to create dance as well has, has been something equally as as thrilling to me and so to be able to explore that was um, and has has been a really really exciting adventure well it says you've been doing it for 10 or 11 years so that was your focus for a while absolutely um, I, I, I focused on that I was able to um, it w and it's really exciting because I'm able to in many ways get to revisit the shows that I was in sometimes as a creator and so I was able to regionally do uh, Millie and Miss Saigon and oh, Chicago great. and you know and so so many of the shows that that I had um, been a performer in and be able to to be forced to come up with completely um, new work that is just my own you know and not be um, some sort of copy or, or derivative of the original yeah, so it's, it's just been a thrilling and exciting experience and I've had a really uh, phenomenal time doing it and I hope that I have future opportunities to do that as well well you mentioned uh, leaving the room after you have auditioned and wanting to let it go do you have advice for people when you're on the other side of the table of huge mistakes that people make oh when in the room you mean yeah when you're the director choreographer I think um, yeah I, uh, huge mistakes I think that it's really about understanding that the people behind the table aren't there to make you feel bad. They want you to be right. They, they want you more than anything to be the last person they have to see when they're holding auditions. And so just knowing that, just having the confidence that if you have what it takes and you have the skill set, all you have to do is figure out how to release that and allow someone else to see. Because all they need to see is that you can do it. They need to be able to see that as the director or choreographer, I can take this person and shape them to what I need them to be. And so that is really, instead of going in and trying to be everything to everyone, you go in and you be what it is that you do that is special, that only you can do. And that is what a director loves to find, and they find the way to then you know, craft that into what their project is. Because if there is something wonderful about you, for example, it only benefits me as a director or a choreographer, because it just makes me look better when I'm able to cohesively put what you do well into a full piece of theater. So do you like being in charge? Do you like having that type A personality as opposed to being in the ensemble, being told what to do? Uh, I, I don't, it's not necessarily that I like being in charge. I love the collaboration. Mm. I love the creative collaboration with all the different departments. Being able to work with lighting and scenic and projection and, and automation. And, um, and even, for example, when you're not even doing a show that's been done before. So that you're able to work with the writer from the very beginning and you're able to craft something or you're able to invent something that only exists in your mind prior to um, uh, the product being done. That's what I think is really, really exciting about it. And you had a lot of experience as a dance captain before this? Not a lot. I mean, I was a dance captain a couple of times, I think, before this. And uh, on Allegiance, I was not the dance captain. I was just a... That was nice <laughs> as well. It was nice to sort of just be... I was a character man. And it was yes, just you like... Were. It was great. It was really... You know, after I was able to accept that I didn't... That I, first of all, couldn't do what the little young guys were doing, but that I didn't have to, that that's not what I was cast for, that I was cast for, you know my acting and my singing and and to be this older character man was really a, a relief to me and so even at an older age it's like being able to assess what it is that someone wants from you and be able to come to terms that that is comfortable for what you know what um how you're going to be portrayed is really the key and how do you take care of yourself mentally and physically i mean are you injury ridden 
I am not injury ridden, but and, and that I, that's really luck. I don't have um, a particular regime that I do. I don't necessarily, um, you know, work out too much or that kind of thing. But I, I try. But I try to eat well and I try to take care of myself as, as much as I can. I'm not. I'm not crazy about it. So right now, uh, are you at a crossroads of do I continue performing or do I uh, continue directing, choreographing? Um, it is a crossroads, and it's one of those things that it's 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 uh, sometimes you know you sit at home and you and you think like what you know what am I supposed to do now or what what is it that is next for me and um, I think that I think that I'm at a place where I've come back to being able to be comfortable auditioning and performing again, knowing that I feel confident that the work that I have already established as a director and choreographer is still there and it, it balances out, you know, and so <laughs> for example, like this, this, this next season, you know, I'm going to be choreographing a production of Jesus Christ Superstar for Music Theater of Wichita. Oh, and, I love you know, that. And simultaneously, yeah, you know, I'm auditioning for a commercial today and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's being able to find that I can do, that I have the skill set to be able to do both or to be able to do whatever it is, whatever project that is um, in front of me that I am most passionate about at the moment. And that's kind of, it's been really nice not having to pigeonhole myself as a particular thing to find success. I've been able to feel like I found success in several areas and now it's really just about what do I want to do next? And you know, maybe someone will have me. That's amazing. That's a nice place to be. It is, because it's like there's so much more than just, oh, narrow-minded, I have to be on Broadway 100% of the time to be successful. And I think that's something I'm learning more with age. Sure. It's like to be able to accept where you are and, and what are the priorities, you know. As you grow older, life priorities become different. Sometimes, you know, your partnership becomes what you want or, or needing to be able to feed your kids or, right. you know, or not being unemployed. It's, it's those kinds of things that that you have to figure out you can do that don't necessarily identify or limit who you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So if you had to pick one or two huge career highlights, what would it be? Career highlights. Um, I mean, definitely when I was um, brought to New York City to, to be in Guys and Dolls. Definitely oh. a huge career highlight because I was a feature dancer. Uh, Chicago Film, another one. Just oh. fantastic to be able to be part of. Just because even even as performers on Broadway, as you know, when there's a feature film of a musical, it's just it just seems like it's gonna be immortal. And so, being able to be part of that was exceptionally exciting as well. And um, more recently, I, I directed and choreographed and helped to sort of create from scratch uh, a show that is now currently playing on Disney Cruise Line, um, the, the Disney Fantasy. It's called Wishes. And so from, from, from scratch, I was able to work with the creative team. I was able to develop every bit of it, every piece of scenery, um, original songs, and all sorts of things. Yeah, and, it's, and, you know, and, and kids that are graduating college you know, go out and do the ship, and they come, come back, and I, I, I see them at auditions and things of that, or I see on their resume that they did the show. And it's just one of the most thrilling things to sort of be part of someone else's like oh, absolutely. First opportunities. I'll be auditioning for you someday. I'm like, remember? <laughs> we'll be auditioning for each other. <laughs> yes. Well, if and I, it'll be fine. It will be good. fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if I could end this podcast with one song from your career that's your favorite, what would it be? You know, it, it wouldn't actually be a song that I performed. Um, it would be a song from the, this uh, Disney musical that I created for uh, Disney Cruise Line. And the song is called, it opens the show, and it's called The Ride of Our Lives. And it's about three teenagers, basically, and it's they're they're graduating high school, and they and they go to grad night, 
at Disneyland. I went to Grad Night at Disneyland. There you go. And the song, the song is basically based on the idea that you know um, that they're about to begin the adventure of of the ride of their lives. And so I really think that would probably be the song that I'd pick as as my favorite career. Uh, can you give me a bootleg of that song to end this podcast with? I will try. Okay, well, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna have you on that. All right, thank you so much.